You're listening to the Hard Liquor and Hunting Stories Podcast. Proudly brought to you by Bolt Action Coffee, Safari Club International Calgary Chapter, and Best of Seven Barbers. Production assistance provided by Fighting Spirit Productions. Now, kick back with a cold one, relax, and enjoy our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone. You're listening to the Hard Liquor and Hunting Stories podcast. Today I am joined in studio by Dan, the man. Hey. Hey, good to have you here all the way from, well, Ontario, Quebec? Ontario. Oh shit, where in Ontario are you from, man? Southern Ontario, southeastern Ontario, Kingston area. Oh, okay, right on, right on. So today we are drinking, well, Dan just happened to bring us some uh, some nice Eau Claire Distillers uh, gin today because he's a gin man and we're just kind of mashed it up in a simple syrup so it's kind of like a tonic. And damn, I'm not going to lie. It goes down pretty easy, doesn't it? Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, for and, sure. And, and it's not like a tonic. Cheers, man. Yeah, yeah. It's not as uh, as greasy, but it's about as sugary. And it's, fuck, is that good? Like, yeah. Oh, man. I probably got to drink about a million of these because, holy shit, that is some smooth gin. So, Dan, we, you and I, we met this summer, actually, up up north, a yep. narrow island, out in the middle of nowhere, about a 40-minute flow plane ride out of, out of Yellowknife. Yep. And we were mm-hmm. up there, and you were... Uh, well, you're our waterfowl guy. Seems to be. Yeah, yeah. So how'd you get into that, man? Like, tell me, like, when did you first start hunting waterfowl or just hunting in general? So, oh boy, <laughs> I, I don't. I'm too old to remember. Uh, so my dad used to take me out hunting uh, very young age, right? So um, I used to be his retriever uh, oh. for duck. <laughs> you know, I weighed less. I could get on that floating muskeg and go go get those ducks. And you know, he'd say, "Make sure you bring a stick, and if you fall through, use that stick to." Hold it across the, the the hole there so that you don't fall in. Then we'll go get you. So he put the fear of God in you early. He did. So uh, so I was his retriever at a young age, and then uh, as soon as I was old enough to to get my license and uh, start shooting, well, I uh, put a gun in my hands and uh, we'd go out and do uh, some puddle jumping and uh, sit in uh, ponds, uh, flooded timber type ponds. Awesome. Yep. And then uh, eventually our little brother joined, and my dad would shoot a four ten, and we'd shoot twelve gauges, and he'd still shoot more ducks than we would. So uh, yeah, so, it was good so was that all, so was that also in the Kingston area or no, is that no, elsewhere? I, Northern Ontario, so well, Northern Central Ontario. If you're looking at the Sudbury area, oh okay, yeah, okay, way awesome. out there. So what what did you guys shoot out there mostly, or like oh. what was the season like there growing up? Mallards, blacks. Uh, later in the season, uh, we we would do a lot of uh, scout, so uh, commonly known as bl- uh, bluebills. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So it was common table fare. Did you guys just do whole bird? Did you do breast? Like what was the, what was Mostly kind of the breasting. approach? Mostly uh, breasting. The, the typical cook in my house was uh, cut up the breasts and then uh, slice it up into little uh, lanyards and fry it up in the pan with onions and salt and pepper, whatever else dad wanted. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the old the old man cuisine, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. Just simple. Yeah. Which is kind of the way we like to do it here. Like, I don't know, Montreal steak spice. I think that seems to make it on every wild game animal that I eat. Right. That shore lunch we had. Yeah, yeah. Lake, oh right? man, yeah, yeah. Like that duck still had a heartbeat when I was cleaning it. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was great. Like uh as most of our listeners will be aware, like we talked about the trip I think on our on our last show and then we kind of I don't know, we had too much fun. We kind of forgot that we had recorded it and <laughs> kinda of had to go back and release it. So it was uh it was a good time for sure, man. So like cause cause you you previously served served and now you're kind of uh working still i guess with a focus on wildlife and then how did how did you end up uh i i, I guess calling and, and and going out on hunts with folks and stuff like that yeah so uh uh so yeah i did serve i served 26 years uh in the military and retired from that and uh yeah so now i you know i rep i rep for some companies i'm uh i'm pro staff for uh, uh drake waterfowl systems out of the okay, us yeah yeah, no. yeah i'm the uh, regional staff director for uh, jnr game calls which happily offered us uh, a few calls there. yeah yeah i remember those are great they're really and, uh, uh, they're really quite handsome very yeah. generous and we did get the hats finally oh beauty uh i just wasn't home to receive them i was oh. out, out on the road but uh, they will be shipped out to you guys uh, soon. So we did finally the hats. They they had the wrong uh, postal code. Oh shit! So they, that's why they never made it. And then uh, I also uh, I'm a product ambassador for uh, Challenger Ammunition, which also was very generous in uh, giving us uh, two uh, two flats of uh, of shells there for for our duck hunt out in Great Slave Lake. Yeah, that was awesome. And like the uh, oh man, I quite I quite like their their ammunition. I only started shooting it fairly recently because well, it was the cheapest, and actually I noticed. Performance wise, it was actually quite good, but then like I don't I don't know if it's the same for uh, for you guys in Central Canada there, but like ammunition price, holy shit, it is it ho- it, holy shit. Everything's <laughs> gone up, and uh, you know uh, Challenger used to have a, a bad rep, 
Uh, honestly, I even thought I didn't think of it that well back then. But then again, I went from I went on rumor and never used it. And uh, I know they did have issues and they did change those those problems. Like the primer was one they weren't getting a good burn out out of the powder, and you know the primers weren't uh, weren't exploding like they're supposed to. So, anyways, they fixed all that. Great ammunition. Honestly, it competes right up there with every other competition out there. So uh, every other shell, I should say. But uh, yeah, great great ammo for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Like I actually quite I shoot quite a bit of it at my uh, at my sporting clays club. Like that's kind of the standard. And I guess I guess in the pre-COVID years it was awesome because they had the club logo like right on the hall. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. So you knew where all your rounds were, or if like I was shooting them out in somebody's field, they knew who they belonged to. Typically me. Cause <laughs> <laughs> I'm just buying it. And a huge amount. So how'd you get how'd you get linked in with them, man? Like how did how'd you end up being kind of pro staff sponsor guy? Reputation, I guess. Uh, you know, I got I, I was hunting with guys, and uh, for example, with Challenger uh, guys were came out hunting with me. They're like, hey Dan, we're gonna be hunting your area. You want to come out with us and. Took them out to a few of my spots because they weren't from the area. Yeah. And uh, they're like, here, try this ammo. And they, they were uh, product ambassadors for okay. uh, for, Challenger, for Challenger. And so I uh, tried it and I was like, yeah, man, you know, I'm pretty good and stuff. He goes, uh, you interested? Interested in, he's like, uh, you know, repping for, for the company and, you know, showing off the ammo. And I'm like, yeah, why not, man? So uh, they talked to, to the, uh, I guess it would be the uh, product ambassador slash maybe director I'm, i might be inviting in, inventing a title here but possibly that's his title okay let's, yeah. go, <laughs> let's go with that yeah that's a, that's a good way to do it man and then like i guess that <laughs> just kind of spools into other stuff right like yeah. so you meet guys in game calls and then and then drake waterfowl like shit they're pretty well known they got lots of gear like i got some drake gear the old the old school pattern because i i don't yeah. know that's just like all the shit that my my dad and my uncle used to have right yeah and they they they, they brought that back out uh, a couple years ago uh, they brought back out the old school camo pattern there. Yeah, like it's all just, I don't know. Me, I think a lot of hunting camo is just kind of a fashion show. But but at the same time, like, I don't know if the gear works, the gear works. <laughs> well, you know, I've, I've, I've tested a few theories and uh, people are, especially for uh, for diver ducks, um, a lot simpler. But I had mallards land literally eight feet from me. And I was just sitting in my camo gear, my Drake gear, of yeah. course. And, uh, but I was sitting on rocks right there on the shoreline. Like I wasn't hiding behind anything. I just stayed still. And I had, uh, like I had mallards land at my feet almost. So, um, yes, camel matters, matters, but I think, uh, movement is a big yeah, one. Yeah. That's kind of the bigger one. Like yeah. even this morning we were standing there just kind of smoking a joke and thinking our morning was over and then flights are just landing right up on us. So we were just like, Oh, okay, well. Time to keep playing, I guess. Right. Like, it is. like they you want know. to play, we'll play. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So like, oh, oh, yeah, our producer is taking off. Yeah, thank you, sir. Don't worry. Yeah, we always we always edit everything, so it's super easy to do. <laughs> yeah, this is not a live show by any stretch. I think I should turn this just so I could see when we get to our certain time spots. If I can figure out how to do that. Oh, oh, my wrecking stuff. Mm. All right, where are we here? This is a pause in, in time. Yeah, okay, no, there it goes. No, dead air is actually really easy to edit and use with, so it'll be pretty good. So awesome, man. So my understanding, too, is you've also, like, not just hunting in Ontario, but you've also kind of hunted internationally and globally. So has that been for waterfowl, or is that, like, for big game? What's kind of your go-to? Yeah, once once, once in my life, I, I did get it. I had the chance to go down to South Africa and uh, conduct a hunt there with uh, Kabusi Safaris. It was back there. And... Uh, Man, uh, what a great hunt that is. Ethical, you know, everything's being used the proper way. Uh, everything, Everything's used up from the animal. Um, the meat's being eaten by uh, the staff, the locals. You know, it goes back to those to those game farms, and uh, it's all used up. Awesome. Hold on just two seconds. I'm going to pause this. So, yes, we are back. We had to take a, a, a little bit of a tactical pause there to refill our beverages and welcome a new guest into the studio who was just here for the liquor. So, Klaus, thanks for thanks for just being in here. Like, I don't think we've ever had an in-studio audience. So, uh, it's good to be here. Yeah, yeah. So now I know what it feels like to, you know, I, I don't know, be a fucking comedian, I guess. I don't know. By the way, you can grab that mic and put it down a little bit. Yeah, you got to get, get, get right into it. Yeah, there you got to go. get it uncomfortably close. Uh, all right. Yeah, yeah. Is it looking like I'm like... Sucking on a mechanical dick or something now? Uh, a little bit, but you got to work it a little bit more. Cup the balls. A little bit more. No, I'll, I'll no, no spitting on it though. Oh, not yeah, with that attitude. Yeah, it's got. <laughs> yeah, it'll get too rusty. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
So Dan, when last we left our hero, you said you were you were hunting down in South Africa. What part of South Africa were you in, man? So that would have been uh, I was east of uh, Port Elizabeth. Okay, in the in the Eastern Cape there. Eastern Cape, yeah. Okay, awesome. And what kind of stuff were you out there chasing? Animals. Okay. Yeah. 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 So like I don't know. What were you? Were you a zebra? Were you after no. uh, or zebra? <laughs> they all say zebra. It sounds like a yeah, really horrible name of the animals you know. I shot. You know, they they had horns and stuff. Oh, beauty. Horns and fur, and uh, it, it was quite it's quite quite elegant. But uh, no, so uh, come back to serious stuff. Impalas. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, Impala. Did you go like common or black or like uh, I guess just the common. Little, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. With the M on their butt. Yeah. Yeah. McDonald's. McDonald's sign. Yeah. You know, make burgers out of it. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, bless buck. Uh, mountain reed buck and the spring buck. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I, I quite like shooting spring buck. Like, they're really good. Like, I think that was probably the majority that gave me I ate in South Africa was spring yeah. buck. Yeah, and like, it, it was nice to get an opportunity to shoot them because like to go hunt pronghorn here in Alberta, like the the priority list, I think it's 10, 13 years. It's pretty, it's <laughs> quite the way, yeah. So like, they used to be pretty, um, well, fairly plantful on the prairie, but I guess fencing has kind of been a big issue that's affecting them. And then I guess uh, when coyote populations get too large, that also affects how many of the young survive into adulthood. So the opportunity in Alberta has kind of kind of diminished over the years. Montana is supposed to have really good numbers. So yeah. I, think, I think you can get drawn out there every every three years or so. Okay. So like, I don't know, like, and that's kind of a unique, I don't know, Western animal because clearly you're not going to see those in Ontario or Northern Ontario by any stretch. They don't really have places to run. Yeah, exactly. But if you want to go back to Africa there, um, you know, for those that don't know, uh, Africa does it right when it comes to uh, hunting big game out there. And, uh, you know, how they preserve their, their wildlife out there is, is pretty cool. And, uh, you know, how, how, how that meat is, is spread and, 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 given, and given and taken care of is quite impressive. Yeah, it's kind of a whole uh, a tourist industry, but it's also kind of a support industry as well. So, like, they're, they're, they're getting you there to hunt, but then there's a whole bunch of other kind of means that it's supported there. So I know there's a lot of people not necessarily into safari hunting and like, I like, I'll admit it too though, before I ever went to Africa, I kind of looked down on it as kind of this, oh, that's more of your wallet challenge, but no, it's, it's legit hunting. It is, it is just like hunting here. Um, your experience can vary too. Like there's some pretty posh ones and there's some pretty austere kind of hunts you can go on. And the challenge is, is whatever you really want it to be. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Like my first, my first, uh, my first, uh, uh, stock on, on, on Impala. Um, you know, we stop and we finally, we finally up on the herd and we're trying to find a good, a good ram. And, uh, I hear these two big blows behind me, like, whoo, whoo, and I turn around and there's like eight Cape Buffalo behind me. Oh shit. So, <laughs> I, I, I had only ever seen those guys on TV and I knew what they were capable of. So, uh, I had, I had a pucker factor, if you know what I mean. Right. So I tap on my, uh, my pH is uh, pH is for a professional hunter. For those of you that don't know. And, uh, he's like, uh, he says something in Afrikaans to, to the tracker, right? And I'm like, what'd you tell him, man? Okay. He's like, uh, I just told him if they get too close to put a round next to him to scare him off. And then he turned around and kept glassing. And I'm like, man, there's Buffalo like 30 yards behind us, dude. And he's like, yeah, just kept glassing. And so he was okay with it. I kind of felt okay with it. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. There's uh, there's this book I got. I'll have to show it to you offline here. And it's about this guy who just, that was the only way he wanted to hunt Cape Buffalo was to encourage them to charge. And what? Yeah, it's such a bizarre philosophy. The guy's name escapes me right now, but he actually was like let go from SEI because he was just out there. Just crazy. Which is man. really saying something. Yeah, like I don't know if it's... Uh, I, I don't know if I'd be too into encouraging a charge, but they do happen on occasion if you're if you're super unlucky. And like I don't know, we were talking earlier. You know, that's one of those. The more you fuck around, the more you find out. The exactly. Scenario. Yeah. Right. And then uh, another one was uh, we're chasing blessed buck, and uh, we had giraffes with the sea and tower. You know, yeah. walking around and stomping and warning everybody that we were there. And uh, unlike hunting moose or, or deer out here, where you have a one or two sets of eyes looking at you, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You know, you got that. You got 40 sets of eyes, 50 sets of eyes looking for you. Yeah, that was the thing that always blew me away when I was hunting in Africa, just the sheer amount of game that's in play. So, like, you'd be making a stock on on whatever your quarry for that day is, and then you might stumble upon something yeah. you'd never even seen or heard of. And I, and I remember going there, like, I thought I had a fair grip of African animals, but, man, not a chance. <laughs> like, just the, the biodiversity there and everything and the amount of stuff you can shoot. And and I know it might sound a little trivial, but really it is it is a market industry there. So it is. like oh, if you yeah. see something cool, they they'll encourage you to take it. Because how much to tag for that? 
Yeah. All right, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, so they got a pretty interesting approach to, to licensing and everything out there. Because unlike here, where it's like this draw system, like I think if I recall correctly, and you might be a little more familiar than I, but like I had it explained to me, like you can enjoy exclusive rights to animals that inhabit your land. So there's kind of this economic force, if if you will, or, or, or like, I don't want to say force, but you know, there's, there's definitely a benefit to kind of bringing your land back into supporting these, these native yep. Yep. animals for sure, which is really cool to see actually. Yeah. It helps in the re- reproduction and, you know, feeding them and it, it, it stabilizes certain herds and you can do some, some management if it's done properly, you know, doing it right. Uh, you can help, uh, you can help the ecosystem and help, uh, the herds, uh, have a healthier, uh, have, have healthier herds on, on your property. So what was it, was your favorite hunt you did in Africa? Uh, I'd have to say they all had, they all had, so my blessed buck was my longest shot. Okay. So that was my, that was about 230 meters. So you were hunting on the Karoo, right? Or was that Rocky, Rocky kind of shit where it's almost like mountainous kind of yeah, like foothilly? And, then, and yeah. then you get, and you get a lot of brush, like, yeah. uh, although, and everything has needles. Yeah. <laughs> everything has needles. So yeah, it's like walking through nails. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And you're looking at four or five inch long needles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it was kind of like that. And then, uh, you know, my 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 favorite shot was the one on my on my Impala. You know, that was seventy seventy meters, and uh, didn't go anywhere. And I could only see the top of the head and and that white patch in the chest, front facing uphill. So that was kind of neat, neat. I shot my uh, Springbuck. Uh, he was trotting uphill, and I was higher than he was. So it was a shot from from the top. And, you know, took his heart, but uh, that was a good shot. And then. Uh, I had to shoot my uh, my mountain reed buck, and mountain says where that animal was found mm-hmm. uh, on the flank of a mountain, and it was running, you know, uh, on 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 a, away on a forty five, and you know, I had, again going uphill, and we had just ran a hundred meters, so it was a unique shot again, right? So it, it was good. So yeah, honestly, uh, but my favorite meat out of all of those was definitely the Impala for me. Okay. Uh, so how how they prepared for you? Like what was? Oh, it was it was right on right on the fire. Oh, awesome! Like that bri where they get all the coals kind of going. Yeah, and right exactly. The yeah, awesome. And what was good about it is that I was able to negotiate with my uh, pH, and I was able to keep a tenderloin from every one of my animals. So I, I ate a piece of my animal, the, the animal I harvested down there. So that was. Uh, but the kudu, definitely the best animal I've had down there. Yeah, they were really, really quite good. I think I ate kudu liver, like not every day, but pretty, pretty close. And then like the the meat was really, I quite like zebra. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it was, like whatever flavor you hit it with, it just took it so well. And like, I've never had horse, Cheval, I've never had it. <laughs> so like, I, I don't know, I'm curious about it now, but live it like being out here in the West, like eating, eating a horse is kind of taboo. It's just something that's not done out here. And if you told people you're out looking for a horse, like they might look at you a little side eye because that's just you know we'll eat everything else, but you can't eat that out here. I've had horse in Quebec. Yeah, yeah. 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 When I was out in Quebec City, there was a guy that had a butcher shop. He had uh, quite a selection of uh, of meats, including farmed uh, farmed elk and uh, farmed uh, whitetail. So, um, but including horse. Oh man! So what's the verdict on horse then? I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was good, and it and it it has its unique flavor. Yeah, so. that's awesome. I, I kind of made this joke, and I don't know if I made it on the show or not before, because usually I'm just a disaster by the time these these are over. And like listening back to them, nobody ever wants to hear the black box after they've had that much to drink. <laughs> so like, I made the joke like I don't know how many times where I was like, "Oh, I thought the zebra would be white and dark meat," and they just looked at me like I was a complete idiot. Like, why why it's would not- it be that way? Like, <laughs> this is like deep red. Like, uh, yeah, it was it was really cool to eat. Does it taste like chicken? Oh, no, no. It's red meat, man. It's red <laughs> meat. But like, I don't know, you know, you just try to make conversation. And um, yeah, yeah. My pH was a pretty straight laced kind of guy. Just, <laughs> just looking at me like what? Because, no, you know, like, you know, when someone always tries to describe something, how it tastes. Yeah, it tastes like chicken. You know, how does frog taste like chicken? No, it tastes like frog, actually. You know, just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, so did you do any wing shooting when you're out there as well? Because I know that's kind of your bread and butter. I did not. And uh, I almost could. We almost had that. We had the, what was it? Egyptian geese that were in the area. I think that's what they are. Yeah, Egyptian geese. So what's 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 their big like defining feature, I guess? Honestly, I find they looked a bit like specks. 
Okay. Yeah, like the white fronted goose. Okay, and then they have like some weird kind of bandage like by the front, like almost like a mask kind of thing. I don't or... remember, man. Okay, oh, well, that's all good, man. It was a while back. Like I remember in Namibia, everywhere there was these guinea fowl. Oh, guinea fowls all over the place. Yeah, they yeah. were they're everywhere, and they'd really swerve to avoid them. So like, it led to some really interesting highway driving. But I guess the beak is like super hard. Yeah. So they try not to run them over or do anything because get a flat. You, yeah, you get a flat, or you fucking crack your windshield, and then you're sol because. Pretty, pretty fucking remote spots out there. You can't exactly get a lot of help in some of these spots. Yeah, I haven't lived four years in uh, in Africa. I, I lived four years in uh, in Senegal, so West Africa. Okay, is and a big, big kind of hunting culture in Senegal. Yeah, actually, so they, they do a lot of wing shooting out there. So a lot of uh, a lot of upland. Okay. Uh, so there's yeah. a there's a some type of grouse, and uh, they they also do guinea fowl. Oh, quite a, okay. Quite a bit, and there's good duck hunting. Big migration of ducks. Uh, I think one of the biggest migrations of ducks coming through Africa come through Senegal. So. Oh wow! Yeah, they have uh, in the north there. They have a sanctuary for like a big bird sanctuary on a, on a river, and uh, yeah, lots lots of different types of species of birds there. Uh, they have a, do- a duck they call the uh, le canard siffleur, so like a whistling duck. Okay, and I don't know why. And then they have they also have a, a green winged teal. Oh, but it's. I don't know what it doesn't look like our green green winged teal. So just kind of shares a nomenclature. Yeah, and that's about it. Okay, yeah, yeah. a bit bigger of a duck. But uh, yeah, so they they do a lot of uh, wing shooting up there. Yeah, like uh, I I know I was, at, I was at a pheasants forever dinner, and one of the one of the prizes was wing shooting in Africa. And um, I I know for me, I was just like, shit, that's a long way to go. But if I win it, I'm fucking going. Why not? <laughs> yeah, Why yeah. Not? Take me with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it looked like a pretty wild trip. Like I'm trying to remember all the details of it, but it was a pretty bougie win. Like it was, you know, there's a lot of guys winning it, and then I think the dude who won it was uh, was a pretty novice hunter, and he was super pumped and. You bet there was people like putting their arm around him. So you need somebody to go. You need somebody to show you the ropes kind of thing. And dude was just feeling, you know, sensory overload. Because I can't remember what the value of the trip was. But, you know, it'd be a good trip. It'd be a solid win. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. Like, because I, oh, man, I know wing shooting in Africa. Like, you know what? I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll gain an appreciation of it. Because it's just something in my brain where it's like, man, that's a long way to go to shoot birds. And then just like, I don't know what the volume is there. And like getting stuff back can always be a challenge. You can't bring stuff back. Well, yeah, you can't. You can't bring meat back. Yeah. Like you can, you can get taxidermy back, but even that, like, there's there's quite a few hoops you have to jump through with CITES and everything else, which yep. you know, which is all fair. Um, but but yeah, like I just oh man, I'm wondering what it is for birds. Like, and I wonder how many. You can shoot. Yeah, you know, I just don't know enough about the experience. Yeah, and although like although bird shootings, I don't think bird shootings as uh, regulated as as big game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is regulated, and I know you, I know like in Senegal, for example, uh, there were areas where you could go hunt uh, that were authorized by the government, and uh, it was big. It was big for the um, the uh, Lebanese community. Oh, really? So they're so they're Senegalese, uh, you know, they're Senegalese but Lebanese descent. Okay, yeah. So third, fourth generation, whatever that is, yeah. and uh, but yeah, they they do a lot of a uh, lot of bird hunting up there. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So like, do they do they have like any customary dishes? Like, were you able to try any of the birds when you were out there? I have or? not. No? no, no. Uh, no, I lie. I did have guinea fowl. Oh, and what's the verdict? Like, yeah, how did they that, cook it? Or no, I cooked it. I cooked it like I cooked grouse. Here okay, in Canada, yeah. and uh, really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, for sure. So, so any any kind of different preparations that you'd like, kind of try to game here, or was it kind of standard? Like, it'd be familiar for most North American bird hunters. You think? Yep, same same as I, I think everybody here would do it the same way. Like, whatever way you prep your your uh, your upland birds, that that's probably how you cook guinea fowl or or the the grouse that's out there. So. Okay, awesome. Yeah, like I'm always uh, I'm always like scratching my head about like duck preparation because usually I just like I'll either fry them or I'll cut them up real thin or like what I've started to do lately is just smoke the duck and just kind of like cut it almost like charcuterie like and just like this thin fancy. slices yeah put some fancy cheese houses out there and just demolish it with wine and get pretty rotten some nights you so know? the so secret to duck is sweet sauce sweet sauce really yes so maple glaze blueberry glaze raspberry glaze type stuff okay. Um, you know, you can uh, if you're gonna smoke it. I make a uh, I make a uh, maple and uh, soya sauce glaze, and I add herbs to it. Okay, whatever herbs you like, right? Uh, that that fit good with that. Rosemary is a good one. Um, so I, I'll prep it first. I'll put some uh, some uh, Montreal steak spice for sure. Prep it up with that, and then uh, as it smokes on the smoker, keep glazing it. Making Excellent. my dog hungry, he's starting to get all squirrely here. Hearing about all these, <laughs> all these different duck preps, he's getting yeah. a little squirrely. 
Yeah, and then uh, I like doing it uh, just quick and dirty like we did there uh, in the blind uh, while we were up north. Yeah. You know, just uh, grab it, cut them up, make little slices, throw some uh, oil in there with a bit of... Uh, no, it's okay. He's just being squirrely. He's having a blast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and you just throw that into the pan and serve it up. Yeah, that was great. That was, that was hard bird hunting up there, though. Like, it's just... I don't know. It's just the time of year, or it's just the the big water. Like, because hunting hunting big water is something that like I haven't really done a whole lot of. Yeah, I got to come to Ontario, bud. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll take you. To, I'll take you to big water. So you guys like? Do you guys mainly Great Lakes, or are you guys going to Hudson Bay? Yeah, or? Lake, lake Ontario is a big one for us in uh, late late season uh, because that's you know the water's open. Okay. Do you guys do that layout hunting where they like have like a little boat and they throw you out in there? The layout boat. Yeah, yeah I've done that once and, and, and actually twice verdict. now. And uh, the last time I did it was crazy. It's, uh, you know, the bird's in your face. Um, you know, we, we set up, uh, we had, what, 12 dozen decoys out. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of seems like it, you need a lot of, um, I, I guess, support structures when you're doing that one. Like, like, you, need, in, like you need, like, a big bow. Yeah, you got to so, have, like, kind of somebody fetching real, essentially just circling. Yeah, we, <laughs> circling have, we, have, what we have the, uh, the, if you want, the safety boat or uh, uh, the, ten, the, t- the tender, they call it. You want to take a pause? Let's take a pause. At least for you. All right. We are back. Yeah. After a quick tactical pause to let my dog out and pour some more cocktails. I think they're getting better, but I don't know. Some people say they're getting stronger. I don't know what the consensus around the table is. It's getting stronger. Stronger Stronger is better. Maybe it's just me. My hand gets a little heavier the more uh, more I have. And uh, it it tends to leave the second half of the show being a lot more um, loose and sloppy. So, you know. Oh man, Quebec's got all the best strip clubs, man. Like I remember one time I was at the Bearfax, well, like the one in Ottawa, like not. And so that's not Quebec. No, but we went to that one, and then we went to the one across the river in Gatineau because I guess they're all over that area. And oh my god, you walk in there and I just hear "fuck out." And I'm like, how the fuck? <laughs> A bunch of dudes on you, <laughs> other side of the country. Oh man, that is a great, great drink. Oh my god, see how Ooh. clear yours is? Yeah, yeah, it's getting pretty dark. I'm not gonna lie, getting pretty, pretty, uh, pretty hefty there, man. So when la- when last we left our heroes here, we were talking about um, cooking duck. So we were talking about kind of the pre-smoke and, and using a sweetness. So like when you go to do that, are you doing whole duck or are you doing skin on? Like what's kind of what's kind of your your go-to? So don't do skin on when it comes to divers. Okay, because you'll you'll get that that stronger flavor to it. Uh, puddle ducks are sure mallards late season, especially when the weather gets cold. Uh, they put on a little layer of fat over that the breast there, and uh, then you keep the skin on. Uh, early season, like right now, I don't even think we have like not in my area anyway. So we we're still skinning the ducks, and I, I breast and skin, and keep the legs, keep the heart, and um, yeah, have at her, man. Awesome. So like, so with the heart, like, what are you doing with the heart? Are you doing like a skewer kind of thing? Or are you doing it like in some kind of like I don't, I don't tell anybody. Or? I don't tell anybody, and I fry them up quickly and I eat them. I don't let anybody else have it. Oh, nice, nice. Just, <laughs> just pop yeah, them. Exactly. They're my appetizers. Yeah, food. like I, I quite like heart, and I've heard this said like by, by a lot of uh, hunting personalities that like heart is kind of where guts meet meat. And, and you know, I've had really good uh, like goose hearts and stuff, like really inter- interesting preparations where yeah. guys just like put them on skewers and yeah. just stuff them full of whatever. And yeah, it's always a, a great meal. I'm trying to remember, do we eat hard up north? I don't remember if we did or not. We yeah, might uh, I, I get, yes, I had, well, out of those two widgeons, uh, so who ate the hearts? I think uh, the other guy that was uh, with uh, Todd Brody. Todd, uh, Brody. Brody, okay. Brody had it, and one of the ladies had it, if not Danny. No, Danny was already gone. Oh, well, I don't know. Some that. of the ladies had left already. Yeah, when I okay. cooked that up, right? Oh, okay, yeah. So, so I wonder how, yeah, because I'm like, oh man, I wonder how the group after us did. But then I realized you were on our plane out, so I can't, <laughs> I can't really quite ask that question. They did pretty good. They did, they they did uh, quite a bit of a hunting there, and uh, they caught a lot of fish, man. Yeah, like I heard, I heard something like, yeah, fish. they were on the boats hard though. Like they were on the boats, I think, from sun up to sundown. Where yeah. we were more, uh, we were more casual on the bo- on the boat for yeah, sure. Yeah. But like I get it though. Like some guys go out there, that is just their passion. Like fishing is a hundred percent their focus. It's what they're into, and and that's awesome. And me, like I'm just such a casual fisherman. Like I quite, I enjoy fishing. I enjoy going out there. Um, but yeah, going out there, it just ruins fishing for me everywhere else. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like because here, <laughs> oh sorry, go ahead. Of note. <clears throat> catch and release 
Yeah. Right? So these guys caught, like, I think it was 320 some odd fish. Oh, man. That's insane. Catch and release. The only fish that are kept normally are if, uh, you know, Joss says, hey, you guys keep a fish, yeah. you know, uh, for lunch or whatever, right? So we'll keep one or two or three trout to feed the group, but that's it. Everything else is catch and release. Yeah, like, man, I'm, I'm getting back in arm pain just thinking about, like, because some of the fight on the fish, like, those guys are probably sore when they went back. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I heard they rebooked to go back again. Like, just, I'm sure their faces are smore, sore, too, from just smiling right? ear to ear the yeah, whole time exactly. out there. Because, like, it's kind of kind of hard to describe that experience up there unless you go, right? How about drinking the water right out of the lake? Oh, man, yeah. It's just it's just amazing. And I know it might sound wild to some of our listeners, but, man, it's just the best fresh water I think you can have. You just go down a little bit. And, yeah, we're drinking water right out of the lake, man. Yeah, so for the amount of times that I have done my business in the lake, I would probably go against that, but all right. <laughs> well, well, like, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd be drinking out of, like, Sylvan Lake here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like... Oh man, it'd be pretty gritty. So of note, of note up there, the the lake, uh, the water is so cold that uh, bacteria doesn't build in it, and it's probably clearer than the water you have and coming out of your tap. Yeah, it's pretty close to tap water. Like man, you could if you could just bot like if you could create a bottling a remote bottling plant out there, you could probably sell that shit for. A, well, actually, I'm not going to give away my business idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll show Fiji Water who's boss. Copyright. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. But, oh, man, that's awesome. So, like, do you do, do, you do any more, like, I guess, uh, I, I guess outfitting? I don't know. Is it outfitting? What would you consider yeah, yourself, I, man? I, like, I, I, I'm still trying to work on the title, and I I'm know not it's a, a loose one. Yeah, I'm not a guide. Um, just just a passionate waterfowler, I guess, I right? am. Yeah. And uh, the only reason I went up there is because uh, Joss and I, uh, we served together with the, the Royal 22nd Regiment yeah. back in the day, and uh, he knew I was a waterfowl addict, and uh, so he, he asked me to come up there and, and guide that first hunt he was offering. Uh, for him, and this was supposed to happen in 2019 originally. Yeah, uh, we were talking about it. Then COVID hit, and like it hit everybody else, right? So, and, so had you been out there before that, or no? Nope, that was my first time. Okay, so, awesome. So, so as as a duck hunter, um, I can tell you, I was trying to figure out what those ducks are doing before you guys showed up. Yeah, it's it was tough, man, and like, I couldn't. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, there's just so much space there, and there's so many places that look kind of similar. Yeah, yeah. So there's I, so much good water for for the birds, like a lot of marsh. Uh, you know, there's a lot of lot of areas. You know, it's crazy, and it's you know nobody's ever been there. You know, we, the, those spots we hunted, we were the first guys to set foot there. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think it's crazy that you can step foot on a spot there where a human has never been. Right, and that's where you're going looking for for uh, for birds or or for any kind of game or quarry. But like I remember, like on our last few days there, we started seeing boats go out because there's guys searching for moose, but. Did, did you mind sharing the mojo story? Because, like, me, I just recently lost some pieces to a mojo, and fuck, are they just, like, such a sacred item to me? And to lose it, I'm just like, fuck! So well, fuck with this piece go! God damn it! Fuck! <laughs> but, you, yeah, and you, and you had a little bit of shit luck. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so it was recovered, by the way. Oh, really? It, it was recovered. So uh, we think that uh, an eagle... Uh, so... The plan was that we were going to just leave the decoys out and, you know, come back in the morning. And it was late anyway, so it's not like if, you know, we, so we left the duck, duck, the decoys there for after the evening hunt. And uh, we were going to come back in the morning and hunt it. And when Joss went back, he's like, Dan, your mojo is gone. It was gone when he came back from the hunt. It's like, no, you're like, yeah, come on, you're fucking with me. 230 bucks, man. It's like, no, yeah, they're pricey. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, it's, it's, you're, you're fucking with, you know, no, no, it's fucking gone. So we went back and we actually looked for it and stuff, couldn't find it. And, um, uh, the only way that thing could have came out of there was by the air, like something had to pick it up and leave with it. Uh, and that from what I saw on the wings, uh, there's holes. So, uh, we we think they're one of those bald eagles might've grabbed it and, pulled it up and then realized that it was stupid and let it go. <laughs> so he found, so Joss found him on, on the other side of the bay in the weeds. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Holy shit. That's like, I'm just thinking in my brain, like, man, that's a good spot. But like, you know, something like that would stand out out there. You're like, what the, what the hell is that thing? Right. Well, at least it was found shit. So, yeah. you, so you I, know, I got home and I bought a new one and then Joss said like, yeah, I got it. I said, all right. So I, re- <laughs> I got a second one. So so speaking of mojos, and I always hear this quite regular whenever I go on hunts, because like I, I quite like the mojo. I think it brings stuff in, and they, they when they work, they work really well. So I've heard very, uh, uh, I guess, differing opinions when it comes to geese. So I've heard guys Turn say... Turn them off. I've heard that, and then I've heard other people say, 
just leave them on. And to be honest, like I've seen them run and having and had geese fly right on them. So I see. I, I know that in the prairies, uh, it doesn't seem to bother them as much. I can guarantee you. Like I've been hunting a long time, and I can guarantee you in my area, if your mojo is on, geese are gonna fly. Yeah, it seems like it's kind of like a fifty-fifty thing, right? Like I, and I just don't know. I, but like you know, I'll take the guys who have way more hunts under their belt with an experience with a mojo than I do. I have less. I have less confidence. Well, and so let so mojo is a brand. Uh, and they're, yeah, they're, everybody knows them. The Robo birds, yeah, they're, right? Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah so they're Robo ducks, right? They turn, spin, yeah. spinning wing decoys, or yeah. you know, because we have a lucky duck that makes uh, that makes similar decoys, right? You know, they have the quiver ducks and they have whatever else yeah. to create movement in the in the set. And uh, but yeah, I sometimes I, I just don't put them out anymore. Yeah, like because me, I, I got one that's down right now, and I don't have the the fancy remote ones. Yeah. So like it's nice to have them out, but like yeah, definitely sometimes you can see like geese are circling, and other times they'll land right on them. But I don't know if it just depends on time of the season, or time of year, or if like they're have a, have a solid pull there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I kind of liked my drinks a little heavier, but like yeah, I don't know if it's just because when you know when they're more tired, they're more hungry, they're looking for something, they kind of throw caution to the wind. Yeah. If that's when they're ignoring them, or if it's early season and. Early season, everybody brings their mojos out, right? Brings their spin, spin, spinning wing decoys out. And so the birds get educated. So until you get new birds, um, you know, and, you know, being in the south for like in my case, I'm in southeast Ontario. So they've been hunted like throughout Ontario on the way down, right? So they've seen a bunch of spinning wing decoys. And so you, you got you to gotta play with it and try to vary your your motion. So maybe, you know, use a quiver duck to create ripples or okay. splash or wing decoy. So it's like a floating decoy that hits the water and then creates splash. So I take it you're hunting water mostly, right? Or yeah. do you field yeah, spreads no, quite I'm a bit? A, I'm no? a water guy. Yeah. Yeah. It just seems like when the, when the area is so big, especially if you've got good water, like they're always going to water. So why try to pull them off it? Like, you know where they're going to be almost, you can set your watch to it seemingly, right? I have a field this year. I feel I am going to do good for ducks. But Ooh, cornfield or other? Yeah, so, and it's right across the bay where, like, I hunt. Like, it's literally, I'd say, 300 yards. Oh, awesome. From, from the, the bay, like, where I hunt. And it's, so I got I got permission to hunt deer there. And uh, the corn's still up. And then I asked him, I said, well, you know, when the corn comes down, <laughs> please. Oh, man, yeah, that's I, awesome. Like, I, I find lots of folks are really, really keen to have waterfowlers on. Because like you can only you can't really fuck up a whole lot unless like there's swaths or something in the field. Excuse me, that's a good one to have on there. Practicing Holy shit. French. Oh man, you know what? I have. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Ton, ton français s'améliore. Uh, mon français est mauvais. <laughs> mon frère, come on. <laughs> right? Yeah, something about my French is shit, my brother. <laughs> yeah. Hey man. I'm, oh wait, 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 Klaus. I, oh, I, oh. I only speak two languages: English and bad English. So. <laughs> Man. You kind of lost me there. Wait, is that from Die Hard? <laughs> Just the season. <laughs> Considering how much snow we got here, it might as well be December 24th. Yeah, what the fuck, man? Like, God damn it. I went out today in a blackout because part of the fucking town was out with power outage. And I'm like, well, shit, it's getting all over the highway. That'll be fun. And right. then we get to our hunting zone, there's no fucking snow there. So, Oh, uh, there was no snow? There was no snow. Yeah, it was about 40 minutes east and like 45 minutes south. So I guess an hour and a half away from here. Oh yeah, there's not much there, and like the cold front came in, we're like, man, it's gonna be a bumper right? day. It's gonna be a bumper day, and and not not really, like, beep, like, beep, beep. yeah. But you know, that's that's duck hunting, that's birding. Like some days, it's just you know, it's kind of a real sink or swim hunt. And if you don't get out there, you'll never know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of the big thing. I know it's a lot of people like they're they'll, they'll talk about their bird success, and it's like, well, how many times did you go out last year? Twice. Well, that's that's not enough days, man. It's like not. I, I think there's one season I did 42 hunts. In the three months, which is like insane, and my wife is just like, ah, oh, great, it's hunting season. Yeah, I, I usually last year not uh, la, not last year, but prior to that, I used to hunt fifty plus days. A yeah, year. that's awesome, man. It's great to get yeah. out like that, right? And then I think my wife eventually realized, well, you know, that seems like a lot of fun, and then kind of got. <laughs> I, I'm, get, I'm getting older too, right? So it's getting harder to recover from those early mornings and yeah. setting up the decoys, and because you know you're up at three, and then you know you set up. By the time you get to your spot, you set up whatever amount, of, especially for divers, like we're setting up you know, anywhere between 60 and hundred decoys, right? Yeah. Like, um, so, so do you prefer morning or evening hunts? Like what's kind of your go-to or do you hunt all day long if you can? So I, I, I got out of all day long hunting. It's dude, it's a grind, right? Like, no, actually it's a, it's a deal with the wife. <laughs> oh, that's fair for me. It's the grind, right? Like, and it's oh, just, I can it's, grind it's hard it. to run a day. Like a lot of guys can get away with a half day doing the whole day is a little bit of a different story. Yeah. Right? But I've, so like opener this year, I was like, 
I'm not going out. Not I usually do the morning hunt in my area. It's usually better. Okay. But uh, I said, yeah, I'm not going out because all the crazies are out. Mm, so, that's very, uh, so I did the late. I, I did the evening hunt. There was one other boat. Oh shit! It was awesome. Like we shot, we shot seven ducks. You know, between two guys, got my dog out. You know, getting getting him getting the rest out of his joints, and uh, he's just a young pup. Well, a young pup. He's two and a half. Second season in, and uh, you know he's doing good. So I, I was I was happy just with the retrieves he was doing. Right. Yeah, especially like when you got the dog working, man. Like God, I just. There's something about just seeing a a dog just run and just finish something off. Like, especially here in the prairie, like you you get a goose and sometimes it'll thunder in and you'll think it'll be toast and then it'll get back up and the dog will just tackle the shit out. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they roll with him, eh? Yeah. Mine's not that, (laughs) mine's not that excited. He's uh, he's a little bit of a a wuss on the sides there. He's not too, uh, he's a bit of a wimp. But, uh, you know, he's a young pup and he's still learning. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's been retrieving very well. It saves me a lot of work, man. A lot of work. So we get, we get quite a few questions, uh, especially DMs about dog training, which is really bizarre because, like, on our, on our Instagram page, we seldom show dogs and we are not dog trainers by any stretch of the imagination. But we, we've been kind of fortunate enough to be on a lot of hunts where there are dogs out of, of really high caliber. So did you self-train? Do you have any like tips for any of the, the would-be dog owners? Because we've had quite a few dog trainers on the, on the show. So I'm, I'm, I'm a certified dog trainer when it comes to uh, obedience and behavioral modification. So just your, your regular obedience and stuff. Okay. Um, I do know some about uh, retriever training. You know, I, I, I did train my own dog, but I always seek help of those that, uh, that know a lot more. Yeah, some people uh, it's just it, I don't know how to describe it, but like they're they're just so professionally sound and those, their skill and their acumen. Those guys running the clubs, so like a retriever clubs. Uh, when someone asks me questions about stuff, like I I'm very strong on obedience. Mm-hmm. Um, I can like my dogs listen very very well, but sometimes you're you know it's it's that little that little quirk of of a hunting dog that you know you're like shit. What's he doing? How do I fix this? Well, go to a guy that's actually you know, part of a club or that, that does competitions, guys that do field trials and stuff. Those guys are right into that stuff. And and, and it's key for your success with your dog, right? Yeah, because they give you the tools, I guess, that you need that you can yeah. access. And I think it's just probably consistency, I guess, is the big it thing. It is. Yeah, you know, out 15, 20 minutes a day, that's all you need, right? 15, 20 minutes a day. I, I do that with obedience, right? It takes 15, 20 minutes a day of your life. So if you're sitting down watching TV and you, oh, I don't have time tonight, you know what, during that commercial... Have your dog do a bit of work, you know, have him sit, hold a, a bumper or, you know, have him sit, stay, have him, you know. Yeah, our, our old dog, he was a great retriever, great swimmer, but he was just so goddamn gun shy, hey? So, like, we were oh. giving him the bumpers and everything else, and he would just chew the shit out of him the second he got him. But, you know, he was, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. Yes. <laughs> Especially this one, because he was just so damn gun shy. But, like, I, I notice a lot, like, because, like, I've been on hunts where people have kind of novice dogs, and, um... Yeah, I'm always a little skeptical when <laughs> somebody brings out an office dog. I don't allow dogs that, that don't, like, if I, if the dog's not obedient. Like, I, I know the guys that have dogs that, that I will allow to hunt with me. And uh, now that I have my own dog, I'm, I'm reticent to have other people bring their dogs. Although my dog, because first of all, my dog will just want to play with the other dog. And <laughs> that, that'll piss me off. Yeah, it kind of takes away from the activity, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, but... If the dog if the dog obeys and uh, you know he's a good dog, no issues. I had this one this one buddy of mine. He brought his black lab out. The dog loved to retrieve, and he was a good retriever, but no obedience on him. Like just a wild dog, man. But he had the drive and a bit of time, bit of effort, and he would have had like a high end retriever. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I find there's nothing that gets dudes grumpier than like because there's only so many days in the season that guys can get out. And when there's a when there's a dog who's per, perhaps not the um, not the sharpest, just running around, not listening, and then ah. the birds see it, and then they're not coming in, and then everybody gets grumpy, and then it just turns into like, ah! like, like you can just feel the rage <laughs> searing yeah. in the blind next to you. Just and he's your buddy, right? And you look over at him, it's like, yeah, yeah like, who can f- you please? rain in your dog <laughs> yeah like i could just feel the searing heat <laughs> on the cold day of just like the disdain that guys have for bad dogs and i'm like yeah yeah that's fair but you know you i'm one of those guys <laughs> yeah no, <laughs> i feel you man yeah so so when did you when did you start getting your own dog or was it kind of like me like i always i always um I, oh, man i guess i covet other people's dogs but like my wife is kind of the dog one so like she gets to choose and i just kind of go with the flow so like 
did you just see lots of other working dogs in action and that kind of kind of gave you the passion for it or were you always kind of like a dog guy i've or? always been a dog guy and then in no oh when was that when did i get my springer a while back well, Springer, but, well, a real energetic one, yeah. Yeah, and and it was a field trial dog, right? So okay. I, so I actually, I, but the, before I got him, I was uh, I was gunning, I was gunning birds for uh, for the breeder. Okay. And uh, he he was right into that uh, field trial stuff, and he wanted guys that that could shoot. And my buddy bought a dog from him, and he's like, Dan, you want to come out and shoot some birds? I'm like, Yeah, shoot birds. Awesome. Yeah. That's how, and uh, to be honest, that's how I become I became a better wing shooter. So. Uh, I shot, I don't know, maybe four or 500 birds a summer. Oh man. Yeah. You know, yeah. shooting pigeons, chucker partridge, pheasants, uh, all summer, right off a of flush uh, of a, of a spaniel. So it's kind of like that game farm style thing, right? Where they do the training and everything. Yeah. Like bought, so, yeah. But, uh, yeah. So these birds are, but these birds are set free into the wilderness and you know, they're, you're hunting them down. So basically, uh, I did that and eventually I was like, yeah, I want one of these dogs. So I got my spaniel and built up with that. Did some, did some field trials with them. I had a like crazy awesome dog, man. That thing there would out retrieve retrievers. So do they do they hold really well, or are they are they more just kind of like the rambunctious kind of all over the place? No, nope, very then? obedient, and uh, everything's controlled. Everything's uh, measured. Everything's you know they and they they work the whistle very well, right? So so what do you think? Do you, do you use whistle with your dog? Because I've heard yes. I've heard various things where some guys prefer verbal commands to whistles, especially if there's multiple dogs, or is it just the whistle is just so convenient? The whistle, yeah. Yeah, so uh, you know, windy days, waves. Again, I'm hunting. I'm hunting water, right? Yeah. So you're, you're you got the water splash. You got the water hitting the boat. You have uh, the wind. Uh, you know, and if you want, you, you got to have your dog listening to you. And I find that the whistle, because it's so high pitch, they they respond to it a lot better than vocal. Yeah, because I guess you can be talking or something, and that kind of puts them because they're they're still waiting for a command versus the whistle. They know it's a command, I guess, right? So yeah, so when he's out at a distance, especially if you want him like if he's not, if he hasn't marked the bird properly, and he's veering off, well, you you know instead of saying sit, yeah, you know sitting in the water is kind of hard. So if you whistle, uh, he learns to turn around and look at you. So that it, in the field it would be a sit. So the, one whistle is a sit, and he'd sit out there and turn and look at you so that you could direct them to where the bird is so when you use them for like a upland because yep. i'm assuming you, you shoot upland as well right like uh, I, shooters? I did with my overall. i did with my spaniel i okay. have my retrievers so what was kind of his telltale sign when he's getting birdie because like some of those super energetic dogs the I, tail yeah the tail gets whacked like when they're running around his tail's pretty straight okay but when he gets on scent the tail kind of comes up and they got dock tail so they got uh a third of their tail docked like the ones I, the one i had so you got two-thirds of the tail it's like a flag man it comes yeah. up and it just kind of shakes around and you know doing the french thing you know the white flag yeah yeah the wave yeah <laughs> <laughs> but oh that's awesome like i got a buddy who's got a hungarian vizsla and man that thing just goes into panther Pointer. mode when it sees uh yeah like when it just when it senses a bird and it's kind of nice because you're just walking around shooting shit and you're like oh shit <laughs> something's <laughs> gonna happen yeah so it was always kind of nice because you, you get that little bit of like oh fuck it's yeah yeah, right yeah. There, yeah. But those uh, retrievers, you can do you can do upland with retrievers for sure. Um, you know, like uh, I know I know a lot of the uh, retriever clubs uh, when they're doing field trials and stuff, they actually need to teach their dogs to do upland hunting. Yeah, it seems to be um, be I guess like all the rage because like because you know it's just such a a, a cool human and, and, and I don't know dog and man and dog teams for it. Like I don't know, just when you when you see it working, you see the dog working. And and they're so into it. They're so into the sport, the game of it. Like man, it's just oh, it's something <laughs> my, else. It's next level. My dad, my dad hated when I hunted with my dog for for grouse. Oh really? Spaniel. Oh yeah. He's like, you're gonna blast them. You know, they'll be full of pellets and stuff. My dad's there for the meat, right? So yeah. He wants that nice clean headshot. You know, the birds like ten yards. Yeah, your lead is just so perfect. It just no, know, not even bad. because he's shooting them off the ground, right? He's okay. Not, he's not shooting flush birds. Oh really? No, yeah. Like there's so many grouse where we are, so he just walks around. and It's like, oh, there's a bird there, and just. Poof, you know, takes the headshot and you're good to go, right? And uh, but hunting with a dog, being on the ready, you know, having him retrieve it, I've lost less. Like the birds I have killed, I've lost. I'd say with the dog, I've never lost a bird. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Because of their noses, right? They find them. Yeah, for sure. And like, especially they're good at swimming and everything. I remember I was. Oh man, I was sharing the story this morning. Actually, I was talking about how. I was out on a upland shoot, and there was just this pheasant on the ground. I thought it was one that got shot, wounded, and died. 
And I was like, oh, I think it's dead. And I went to go boot it to make sure it fucking just wasn't, just <laughs> wasn't moving. eh? Yeah. Yeah. And I got laughed at pretty hard. I ended up pillowing it pretty fucking savagely. <laughs> but, Cloud of feathers. But like it was wild because the dog had actually missed it because it was just like kind of a mid runner. And I think it just missed it and it scooped. And then we'd walk past it. So I think it probably just might have assumed that some of the bird scent was probably coming from our bags. From just like, you know, the little dump pouch on the back. Yeah, so. sometimes they get what we call hot spots okay. like in the fields. And uh, they, learn to, they learn to ignore them with time, with age and experience. Because I, I don't know, I'm assuming that the odor is a bit different. I don't know why. Because, uh, but anyways, I know they, they end up knowing when it's a hot spot. They'll go in, smell and, and, and walk off normally very quick. But uh, yeah, so, but a bird laying there, uh, he probably just didn't wind it. That's all it is because they use their nose. A lot more than they do their eyes. Retrievers use their eyes more than they, they use their nose. Yeah, we were kind of in the foothills too, so it's possible just like the wind pattern yeah. or whatever could have just been been uh, swirling a little bit, I guess. But yeah, for sure. So that's awesome, man. So how long have you been working with your dog right now? Well, this guy's two and a half. Oh, okay, so fresh. Yeah, so I had uh, I had his his uncle. Uh, his name was Thunder. So he uh, he passed away uh, what a year ago? Yeah, a year ago, I think. At the age of uh, 11. So, uh, but he, I spent a lot of time with him. I hunted, I hunted with him quite a bit. And uh, I don't use the electronic collar on my retrievers. Okay. Uh, I did have it. I did use it on my Spaniel. Um, different dogs, different breeders, different rules. Yeah, for so, sure. Um, but, so this is pos- a lot based off of positive reinforcement. But by the time my, my, my last dog reached uh, three, now he was running good. When he hit four, it was like a Cadillac, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, unreal. So easy, like, and he wasn't a high end dog, like he wasn't a high energy dog. So it was like, boom, boom, I'm gonna go get the duck, boom, boom, I'm gonna bring it back. But <laughs> but but he could do that all day. Oh, right? that's awesome! And, Just a nice and, casual pace. Yeah, no no whining, no barking, no you know, just peace and quiet. You know, you have that relationship with your dog, and it's good, and he's doing the work you want him to do, and. It's just great, man. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. So what's so what's next? We're kind of we're kind of getting near the uh, the end of our session here. Well, you tell me what's next. Oh man, well shit, I gotta I gotta do some hunting here in November with our with our mutual friend Joss is coming for a visit. Yes, Justin. Yeah, so I'm taking him on a on a hunt on a, a good friend of mine's property, just kind of north of the area. So it's good. We're we're chasing a whitetail in an area I have never been to, but they assure me that there's success there. So I gotta start doing that doing the recce and the scouting in the next little bit here. But you know, I'm kind of chasing birds for yeah. Try to figure bit. out where they're bedding down and uh, yeah. where their transition areas are. And yeah. So the spot's supposed to be a pretty good honey hole, so I don't want to give it away. But you know, we'll see. We'll see when we get there. And then there's a few other spots we can go if if it doesn't prove fruitful. And then um, I might I might head out to Quebec in December. I'm still waiting for kind of the calendar format a little bit, and then I'll meet him out that way and see see what the cold weather brings out there. Hey, man, I, I've never hunted in Quebec. If all else fails, there's the grocery store. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You always get a good steak. <laughs> <laughs> well, they say like, man, my old man and his his family they used to have to hunt to eat, and then you know, once they you know had more money, they could buy food. There's the idea of sport hunting is just kind of lost, right? Like, no, no, like that's what you do to eat. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Hey, man, and if ever you want to do some good wing shooting over water, uh, you come on down, man. You're more than welcome to to come and hunt. You got a space. You got a place to stay. We got we got space, so you. You crash at my place and we go kill some birds. Oh, awesome. Well, I am the worst, dude. I'm like, uh, you know what they say in Wayne's World. If you invite them, they will come. If I'm invited, I always come. <laughs> as long as I don't picture that, I'm good. Uh, it's all good. Well, well, Dan is the uh, is our welcome guest from, uh, from I guess, several miles away. Uh, I'm going to leave you with some parting words of wisdom, man. Do you have any, any parting words for our guests? Of wisdom? Or sorry, our, our, our listeners. Jesus, man, how many have I had? If you want to hunt and have success, work hard. Prepping the hunt is secret. Just do that. That's all I have to say, man. I got nothing else. Oh, all right. Terrific. Yeah, I'm not expecting you to just drop some wild mad ball wisdom. But I, I don't hey. have any anyway. Awesome. See, it's not because I have white in the beard that I have wisdom. <laughs> well, Dan, thank you so much for being here, taking the time to be on the show and send these cocktails with us because holy fuck, I'm starting to feel them. And I think the second half of the show really showcased that. But anyway, thank, thank you so much for our listeners. Thank you so much to our guests and uh, good hunting, everybody. And we will see you next time.